All right. Here we are. We're in the new studio. We are in the we new are studio. We're in what we call this the Whitby studio. We we did the first two in the Oshawa studio or the schwa. Yeah. And now we are in Whitby. Uh, the P-Town studio is getting <laughs> set up. Yeah. But that's the cool thing too. We're both in uh, new houses. We live in new uh, new digs. We sure do. The children say these days. They 100% do. Well, they did no, 10 years ago. I don't think they do at all. I mean, no. <laughs> I'm not I even mean, sure if they've ever said it. I think that there was a couple of kids. Like back in the day that said it. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, not yesterday. No, nope, back in the day. It was a Wednesday, wasn't 10 it? 10 minutes ago. That's an old comedian's joke, I think. Back in the day, it was a Wednesday or something. It was an older comedian or a comedian who, who was so. I think it was an old ago. joke from a comedian years ago. Oh, I think shit. it was Dane Cook, actually. Oh, God. I liked him at first and then he kind of got war on me. But yeah. I've seen him. Uh, he's in, what's that, American God show? And I is he really? He was, yeah, yeah, he's at the beginning. He's the he's the boyfriend that she's blowing when they get in the car accident. Oh wow, I didn't it, even recognize him. Yeah, he's not a bad actor. I mean, whatever yeah. when he's not being Dane Cookie. <laughs> he's entertaining enough. I've never taken to him, and yeah. I think by the time I knew him, he was already mainstream doing yeah. his mainstream bits, which is fine. Like yeah. he's obviously he's got his own style of humor. Oh yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think that uh, I think it's awesome. Yeah, we both moving into new places, yeah. uh, studios, and various forms of uh, preparation and construction yeah. in order to to get us uh, right across Ontario. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And see, with mine, I, it wasn't like I did it on purpose, but mine was almost like a secret. I knew you were moving, and I didn't really get into details of what I was doing and how my moves were all going on there because I wasn't one hundred percent sure how one hundred percent sure how things were going to work out. And uh, yeah, I think I just dropped it on you one day. I was like, here, it sent you a picture of the house. And I was like, look at this. Yeah. You're like, I did something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and right. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. I did something the other day, too. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't nearly yeah. as yeah. impressive. It was just yeah. like I, I mowed the lawn or something yeah. like that. But uh, so, but yeah. So. Uh, no. So you, you held that close to the vest. Yeah. I, Which I, was I funny kept because it. when I bought the house, you were like, you're terrible at keeping secrets. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. You're like, well, you didn't say, but I knew something was up. And I was yeah. like, I didn't say anything because we yeah. were just buying the things. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, I didn't say anything to really anybody. Uh, I think I might've had a conversation with one of my friends back home and I was just like, I'm thinking about doing this. And then, yeah, it just kind of happened. Uh, my wife fell in love with the house as soon as we walked through the door. So it was just, oh, we needed a bigger house anyway. The kids are, boys are getting bigger by the day. The dog is getting fucking enormous. So why yeah. not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the pictures, because I haven't seen it in person just yeah. yet, because you've only been there for a week and a half. Yeah. And I think the uh, total <laughs> yeah. time that you've been there is about, what, 40 hours? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. no, I, the first few days I was there quite a bit. Uh, I was doing moving and, and, and whatnot. So I don't do unpacking. That's that's my wife's job. She does unpacking and setting up and, and what she loves that. And she painting. loves she does painting. Oh as well. yeah, she she's already been doing that. It's, but she won't do it when I'm home because she knows how much I fucking hate it. I hate painting. It's the anybody out there who is a, a painter, I have so much respect for you because I I can't stand it. I think it was when we were all renovating that house with uh, Jamie up in Scarborough mm-hmm. and uh, me and uh, that other guy that we used to hang out with, we went and painted that one room. And I think when I was done, I turned to him and I said, this will be the last time I fucking paint anything ever. Painting he, is so divisive. I can't fucking stand. It's the most boring, monotonous fucking bullshit job ever. I don't have the patience for it, but my wife, she fucking loves it. And she says to me, she's like, oh, when I paint, I don't think about anything. It, I find it relaxing. And I'm like, good on you because. Because I want to, f- I want to jump through a fucking window because I can't 
I can't stand it. I yeah. hate it. See, I agree with her. I, I find it very therapeutic. I yeah. I think it's the ultimate cleansing of a room. Yeah. It's it's like you walk into a place and it's it's filthy and you throw a coat of paint on it and it's brand new. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is great. And yeah. you can kind of see that there. But I've talked to a lot of people that despise it. Oh, I, yeah, I can't. I, I And we have a friend that who's a painter. I don't think that's his main job, but he does that on the side. And he, he's really good at it. Amazing. He painted some rooms for us. And yeah. I oh, want to fucking want to just hurl myself out a fucking window anytime if, if if I even get close to a paintbrush. They made me do it at work a few years ago or whatever, and I told them this isn't going to end well. Just so you know, <laughs> is there a certain height that you'd want the window to hurl yourself out of? I don't even care. Like, I think it's more the impact of breaking the glass that I'm looking for, not the not the landing on the other end. Uh, oh, I yeah, see. I so just, it's just the dramatic exit. Yeah. Peace out, bitches. Yeah. yeah I like it. <laughs> yeah. So. So I should install some some candy glass in the house. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. be great. You're not... Don't look at that window. Oh, We've I'm, got a little window in the studio oh, here. I need a ladder to get out that fucking window anyway. So there's... And I'm not really hurling myself through it. I'm probably going to get stuck in it. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. Because <laughs> I always get accused of like... A, yeah. Di- saying disparaging things about things. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> well, about you, it. You do find me fat. Um... <laughs> So, I swear to God, it just yeah. stopped in the middle of that word. It, yeah. It was supposed to be fascinating. Yeah. All right. It's all fascinating. So here we are. Um, finally, this, okay. So this is episode three, whatever the fuck this is, profile, whatever, whatever. Anyway, uh, we recorded two other ones. This one has fucking taken a long time to actually get to. And I got to say, I am more fucking jacked for this episode than I have been for any of them. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. So I am probably the, I, this is the person that I am the biggest fan of ever, I think. Um, and, and you know me, but there's no athlete, there's no celebrity on this planet that I'm more of a fan of than this guy. And, um, people who know me would definitely be like, oh, that's Michael Jordan. No, it isn't. I, yes, I'm a huge fan of Michael Jordan, but this guy I'm a mega fan of, and you'll understand this, how big a fan I am when I say this, if it came down to me meeting Michael Jordan or this person, I would pick this person over Michael Jordan. Wow. That's how fucking huge I am. And this man's name is Vincent Edward Jackson, better known as Bo. Yeah. So now, I guess before we get into it, yeah. and, and we've got some amazing details to get yeah. into, I think. And, and you know, some people may know some of these things and some yeah. people may not. But I, I guess I have to ask, what makes Bo Jackson the guy for you? Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, since we started this research, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him. I think it was just the amazing feats, the amazing highlights. If you've never watched any highlights from Bo Jackson, I highly recommend going and watch them. Um, I consider him the original, you know, they talk about Marshawn Lynch being beast mode, but this guy was fucking, this guy was beast mode. This guy was just phenomenal. Um, and I don't know, I get, I get goosebumps thinking about his highlights. I get goosebumps watching them. I remember watching them live. I remember seeing him play live and I'm just like, like that was it. Like I I saw Michael Jordan play live as well. And, but this was, this is a different level. This is, I mean, I've, I, I, some of the sporting events that I've been to, I I saw Calvin Johnson uh, catch 329 yards in a game live. And that was amazing nothing compared to watching Bo Jackson mm. live and, and even the highlights doesn't do it, do him justice. Um, so yeah, I honestly, I don't know what it is about him, but I've always just been 
like just in love with the with with who he is and i mean watching we watched the the documentary last night uh you don't know bo a lot of my research will come from uh that espn 30 for 30 you don't know bo and um he has a book bo Mm -hmm. knows bo searching the internet highlights all that kind of stuff but yeah just seeing who he is as a person how he conducts himself i would consider him probably the greatest athlete of our generation and he doesn't act like it (laughs) and i think that's one of the reasons that i love him to do two professional sports at a level that he did it at unheard of yeah and not only just to do two different sports but the actual positions that he was playing yes like running backs do not last long no right and unfortunately this is no exception yeah uh you know we'll we'll get into that but But. he he handled it like with such ease and Mm -hmm. such and such you know calm and purpose this Mm -hmm. this, he just ran through things like just and people yeah things people (laughs) anything that was in his way and you know they do talk a lot about his god-given abilities and stuff but like this guy he just he just looked the part he acted the part and he's yeah he's pretty phenomenal i didn't watch him Mm -hmm. at a young age i I knew of him yeah because at that time i would have been watching baseball yeah football wasn't on my radar yeah so i knew Bo towards the end of of his career Mm -hmm. but I didn't have any appreciation for what he was doing. I didn't understand it. Deion Sanders was the two-sport athlete. Right. Uh, But again, playing those two different roles, he had the ability to be able to kind of, you know, jump in and out, I think, easier than Bo Jackson would have based on the positions that he played. And just how fucking smooth and mechanical he was, Mm -hmm. uh, it blew my mind when I was looking at the highlights. Yeah. You know, just that, you know, just remembering how natural he looked. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when Jordan was playing baseball, mm-hmm. you could see that he was a basketball player playing yeah, baseball, right? right? Which is not a knock. No. But when Bo was playing both sports, you had no idea where he originated from. Yeah, totally. And, and not, and not to take anything away from Deion Sanders because another, another phenomenal athlete to be able to do what he did in both sports. But, uh, was, would there be a Deion Sanders without Bo Jackson, um, doing both of those sports or, Deion Sanders had the persona, had the whatever you want to call it. He lived the life of a two-sport athlete and fucking let you know that he was a two-sport athlete. Bo didn't. That's the thing about him. We're going to get into it, but he described football as a hobby. Like, yeah. who the fuck plays in the NFL as a hobby? Anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. So we're going to start with Vincent Edward Jackson, better known, better known as Bo. He was born November 30th, 1962 in Bessemer, Alabama. Um, so he's the eighth of 10 children to Florence Bond, uh, his father, A.D. Adams. A.D. was married and had a family. It just wasn't with Florence. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So he's named Vincent Edward after his mom's favorite actor, Vince Edwards. Bo is something both you and I can appreciate, uh, which is a mama's boy. Mm. Uh, first childhood, Bo is a pretty quiet guy. Keeps a lot about his parents and his siblings to himself, and that's fine with him. Uh, as I mentioned, his book, Bo Knows Bo, he does talk about his life growing up. Um, he, his mom, to provide for him and his siblings, cleaned houses during the day, motels at night. But uh, and, the, and you know me as well, I don't read a lot of books. I read this fucking book cover to cover mm-hmm. and was entertained by it. Uh, he's, I think people who knew him back then or watched him back then might have thought he was a dumb jock typical kind of stereotypical thing or whatever but he's not he's very smart very intelligent very articulate considering 
the stuttering problem as a child. So Bo does say as a child, he his childhood was pleasant and enjoyable. His mother made sure that he got love and provided him immense care. He believes that's why he never strayed onto the wrong path. Uh, growing up largely without a source source of authority in his in his life, Jackson's love for running and jumping is what I don't know. That's where he directed his energy. I think is 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 his athletic feats. Um, but he did he did hate organized practices, which in the documentary he tells you right. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah. <just> stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, he said it's a waste of energy and and why you want me running around doing all this shit when. I need it for that time. So mm-hmm. he's described by others as he was a fierce child. His mother, she took education very seriously. She stressed that that's how he's going to be successful. Not his athletic ability is going to be successful by getting an education. So he promised his mom that he would go to college and get an education, which is a huge thing as there's a big thing that comes up with that, which he chooses college over something else. It fucking mm-hmm. blew our mind last night, for especially for the year. I think it was 82 or something like that. So... Uh, he attended uh, Macadori High School in Alabama. He'd get into trouble because of his anger. Uh, he was described as being out of control at times. So maybe the wrong path could have been easily taken. And you and I have talked about this before where it's a, it's a decision. Uh, some, of the, some of these guys who are phenomenal athletes, and there's probably millions out there that we've never heard of because they did choose the wrong path. Mm-hmm. But he... For our, for my sake, anyway, maybe not for my sake, but luckily for me, I he chose the right path, and I got to watch this guy. So he gets into trouble a lot, and this is where the name Bo comes from. His uh, mother would refer to him as a wild boar hog, so and it would get shortened to just Bo. So I love that nickname. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's because it comes from his mom. Yeah. And I don't think he would accept anything else from like based no. on the way he talked about her oh, and, yeah. and the way that, you know, he was uh, the way he looked, just his whole physicality when he yeah. talked about her um during her life and then yeah. at the end you could tell that like this nickname wasn't coming from anybody else. No. No. So there isn't really a lot on on Bo growing up other than what I just told you really and, and what he tells you in his own words because he is a private guy and by all means. So he was, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, but Bo describes himself as a baseball player who played football as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Those are his words. <laughs> so yeah. while Bo was in high school, a man named Dick Atkinson started to mentor Bo. Uh, Bo is one of these guys who's described by by many that no matter what sport he plays, no matter what he's doing, he's instantly fucking good at it. And we're not just talking about good. We're talking about extremely phenomenal at these, at these sports, like super top level talent, if you will. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this listeners or even people here in the studio, we are before a live studio. audience. Of course. That's a super top level. The highest you can get. It's the apex. It is (laughs) apex predator, top level, you know, virtuals high fives. Yeah. So there's a few things that he did in high school. I have a few little things here that, uh, so as a baseball player, he hit 20 home runs in 25 games. Ridiculous. Stupid. Uh, Not only that, he pitched (laughs) multiple times. Uh, Oh, and no hitters. Also pitched no hitters in high school while he was crushing 20 home runs in 25 games. As a running back senior, like as a running back in football and a senior, he ran for 1,175 yards. What's impressive about that? This is what this is what blows my mind. 
He did 1,175 yards rushing while he played every single snap of the game, offense and defense. Ridiculous. So he's on the field the whole time. He And not that he just play offense and defense, special teams, kick returning. <laughs> like probably special teams on defense too, stopping the kick returns. Like, Yeah, well, that's what they were saying in the documentary, right? Yeah. Is that he was playing both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, offense, defense, and special teams, which yeah. is asinine like that just doesn't happen in high school obviously a little bit different because there's opportunity there mm. if but as a coach if you have somebody who can play every position and play at super top level yeah then of course you're going to put them in those situations but yeah that's that that blows my mind i mean i guess when you're in high school and you're a young athlete obviously your body is you're still developing and whatnot but you're you're a little more um, how would you put it? Like bounce backish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. <laughs> a little bit more, Mister Nimbus. Yeah, I mean nimble. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to Rick and Morty. Yeah, but but we saw the pictures. We saw the pictures of him oh. in high school and in college and stuff like that. And he looked like a man. He did, and that's one of the stories that's in the documentary. Is the is the coach walking up and seeing him and thought he was the the groundskeeper. Yeah, and was like, oh, who's that guy out there? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, he he's on your team. Oh, all right, I'll take the job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, shovel slinged over, <laughs> slung over his shoulder, muscles rippling, you know, just chatting up on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. The, look at the groundskeeper over there. My God, that young man's pretty fit. <laughs> yeah. He plays ball. Yeah. So, okay, then. Yeah, yeah, and he's like 13. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. So, also in high school, as as well as baseball and football, he's also did track and field. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did he do it, he also excelled in that as well. In 1982, Bo set state records for indoor high jump which is uh, six foot nine inches, or in Canada, 2.06 meters. Uh, he was only 6'1". Mm. So LeBron James is six foot nine inches tall. Mm. He could jump over the fifth greatest basketball player to ever play in the NBA. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck LeBron. Anyway, I may have changed on my ranking on him, but not that much. <laughs> the other record Bo set was in uh, triple jump. He jumped, <laughs> this is fucking stupid, 48 feet, eight inches. That's that's 14.9 meters from the baseline to half of an NBA court is 47 feet. Wow. He jumped further than half the distance of a basketball court. Wow. Those, uh, those records did fall, but, uh, not by athletes who were doing things as hobbies. Mm -hmm. Also in high school, bull won two decathlon state championships. What's impressive about this? You ask the decathlon is 10 events on day one. There's a hundred meter race, long jump, shot put high jump and a 400 meter race. Day two is 110 meter hurdles, discus throw, pole vault, javelin throw, and a 1500 meter race. You score points in each event and that's how they determine the winner. Bo doesn't like running distances. So, He's quoted as saying, distance is the only thing I hate about track. So what would he do? He'd build up a lead so he didn't have to run the 1,500-meter race. <laughs> <laughs> so would he just bow out of the 1,500? Yep. Com- uh, he completed nine out of ten events in two different years, state champion. Wow. Didn't even compete in the 10th event, had enough of point lead that said, fuck it, I don't have to do it. Wow. Now, when he was in high school and they were talking in the documentary, they were saying how they had to get a, a pole for him for the pole vault. That'll lead us into like these urban, urban legends about Bo. There's, mm. a, there's a lot of them. And, and the people that tell them, if you watch the documentary, are so matter of fact that this fucking happened. So there's a, they swear up and down that they're true. So we do have a few of them. We'll go over a couple of them, which are, which are pretty dumb. 
if true it's interesting i you know i do wonder how much the mandela effect comes into something like this however i don't know man like he he doesn't seem to be one of those people that that just kind of goes out there and makes things up yeah um and or people that actually witness this unless they're seeing something they you know that they're not clearly i gotta believe that they're true yeah so his college baseball coach swears up and down he watched him just casually jump over a volkswagen Mm -hmm. he was very adamant about that (laughs) yeah he He was was like like, i was there i saw him jump over that car his high school baseball coach uh tells a story that he's standing thigh deep in water and just for no reason does a backflip out of the water Mm -hmm. Uh, him and his girlfriend are standing on the beach or whatever amazed at did you just see that shit (laughs) so there's that uh there's another story on there which the guy talks about it he, he explains uh how, why would you make this up? Because he, he's in eighth grade and he dunks a stick on a 10-foot basketball net. Now, I could see making up some, but why would you say, oh, he just randomly dunks a stick? And I kind of agree with him. Like, that's kind of weird that you would just make that up. It's a stick. Yeah. Like, so there's there's that. Um, now, there's a story in there that they do talk about where he th- he's throwing the the rocks and he kills all these hogs mm-hmm. or whatever and then he runs away and he jumps over a 40 foot ditch now i did find an interview with Bo where he has said that's false okay. so he said this is the story it's still stupid he said he was on somebody's land he says he doesn't remember exactly but anyway the person on the land shot a gun and scared him and the other kids so he said he ran it wasn't a 40 foot ditch but it was 20 to 25 feet, and he was on the elevated side of the ditch. So anyway, he still jumped a 20 to 25-foot ditch. But he landed with such force on the other side that he got stuck, and he went home with only one shoe on. <laughs> <laughs> and that shoe was never seen again. Yeah. There's so many. There's a, before a bowl game in college, the punters were trying, and you you know this place, the Louisiana Dome. Mm-hmm. Uh he was. They were trying to kick the ball and hit the scoreboard. Uh, so they're trying to punt it up there and hit the scoreboard. So Bo walks up, picks up the ball, and throws it and hits the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like there's there's all these crazy stories about him when he was doing pole vault in high school. The only pole that they had for him to use was a 180 pound test pole, and Bo weighed. 215 pounds so you can quickly do the math on that anyway he jumped 13 feet ridiculous the guy from the yankees showed up to watch him do batting practice yeah and uh his coach wasn't gonna let him hit he was like no no i told you you need to be here earlier whatever and he's like yeah well the yankees sent me down to watch this and bo talks to his coach and he's like i'll i'll hit for him or whatever and the coach says fine you get two pitches on the very first pitch he hits the ball and it hits the top corner of the cage the batting cage that they're in and the batting cage collapses around them and as that the the scout from the yankees was like okay cool seen enough (laughs) (laughs) so anyway there's there's all these crazy stories about him and i don't know i tend to believe him (laughs) after that batting practice it was 1982 and he was selected in the second round of the draft for the yankees and offered that $250,000 contract, and he declined it. And uh, that's what he promised his mom he was going to go to school. So he went to school. The I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Because one of the things that I found amazing, we were talk, we talk a lot about personalities and what makes people people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the differences between some of these star athletes and, and uh, you know, 
And the thing that I found interesting from that documentary is when they do talk about that. Mm-hmm. And they were discussing, you know, Steinbrenner offered $250,000 and, you know, get him, get him into the major leagues and they were going to have him there immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, so right at, a, right at high school, bypassing college. And his mother's reaction was, why do I need Steinbrenner's money? We've been fine on our own. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, yeah, you were fine. But you were not living a $250,000 no. lifestyle, not no. even close to it. No. But this is, I wrote it down as soon as we, we started watching the documentary, yeah. Humble. Yes. These are the humble foundations on which Abo Jackson is built. Yes. And I think that that right there is the answer as to why I'm so impressed with them thus far. Yes. And, and that's exactly what ended up happening. So I, I love that story. Oh, yeah. You, you, you think about where they're growing up in the deep south and they have nothing and they've they allude to it at many times that this is a poor family and they have nothing. $250,000 is a hard thing to turn down. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they thought about it. She was just, nope. Yeah. So because I, there wasn't this schooling attached yeah. to it. And she believed that success wasn't going to come from athletics. It was going to come from education. So, yeah. and he promised. So he went, so he took a football scholarship and went to uh, Auburn university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, well, we'll get into <laughs> get into his stupid, stupid football stats. In, <laughs> in yeah, college. because college, he was not a failure, as I'm uh, as I, I've come to understand. Yeah, no, no, he, yeah. So, freshman year here, he played in the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl is just it's not an actual bowl game. They call it the Iron Bowl. It's the Alabama and Auburn rivalry game because they're in the same state and they do have a heated. Rivalry. So uh, Alabama is Crimson Tide, right? So they have a war cry where uh, they say Roll Tide and Auburn's is War Eagle. And I did look this up as to why it's War because they're the Auburn Tigers, but their war cry is War Eagle. And I looked this up and now I can't remember off the top of my head of why that is. But I've always liked Auburn University and that's because Bo Jackson went there. So he went there, Charles Barkley went there, Cam Newton went there, and it's funny, Charles Barkley will tell you the best athlete to ever come out of Auburn University is Bo Jackson, mm. and not himself. Mm. So, and he's not wrong. <laughs> so. Definitely not wrong, <laughs> but it's no. good that he recognizes it. Yeah. If freshman year, he plays in the Iron Bowl. It's a big, big deal down there, and I think they tell you that it had been nine years since Auburn had won a game, and that was one of the things was that uh, Auburn was never going to win again, and, and Alabama's eyes, they had the... Uh, Bear Bryant was the coach at Alabama, and he's this big, giant, illustrious figure in college football. Pat Dye is the coach here at Auburn. So they're playing the the game. It's pretty close. This is the famous. We watched it. We saw it last night. This is the famous, the bow over the top touchdown. So in the huddle, he says to Coach Coach Dye, Coach, I was a seven-foot high jumper in high school. Why don't we just go over the top? So the play is drawn up, and Bo goes over the top. Auburn wins 23-22. Bo finishes the game with 17 carries, 114 yards, and that famous touchdown. So he wouldn't play. He didn't go to Alabama. He was offered to go to Alabama, but uh, Bear Bryant told him that he wasn't going to play until his junior year. So he was like, fuck that. So they'd won nine games straight. Bo goes over the top. That's the end of that. Auburn wins. In 1982, Pretty solid stats for for a freshman. 127 rushing attempts, 829 yards. His longest rush was uh, 53 yards. He had nine touchdowns. Also a handful of receptions and 64 yards there. He was never really known for his receiving ability. Yeah, so that's freshman year. I I don't. How does it work? Uh, the American thing. I don't get it. So it's freshman, 
sophomore, sophomore junior senior i believe so yeah is that okay bear bryant wasn't expecting him to play until his third year mm-hmm. or is it the other way he right? said sophomore yeah he yeah, was, so was going to give him an opportunity in sophomore yeah. so he was going to get no opportunity as a freshman get an opportunity as a sophomore but then he wouldn't really be playing until his junior year and that must have been because alabama was so deep on top of that right? i think alabama's always been known for mm-hmm. running backs so it was a hard probably a hard position to fill mm-hmm. that year auburn went on to the Tangerine Bowl, where they beat Boston College 33-26. to Bowl had 14 carries and 64 yards and two touchdowns. His sophomore year, this I think is the biggest bowl game that they go to. They do the Sugar Bowl. He has 22 carries and 130 yards, and he was named the Sugar Bowl MVP that year. They beat Michigan. He talks about Michigan and, and in his book, and it's pretty funny because he says playing all the teams, he's like, they had these little white linebackers and running back or linebackers and defensive players. And he goes, they were like bees. They just keep hitting at you and they just keep coming at you in, in, in waves. And he's like, they just, it's like other, other teams didn't have that. He's like, Michigan was tough. He says so, which I'm a big Michigan fan. Cause that's where I close to mm-hmm. there. And I was a big fan of the uh, fab five, Chris Weber and Jalen Rose and those guys. So yeah, his junior year, he has another famous play in the iron bowl. This one, not as, not as good as the over-the-top touchdown. So it happened on fourth and one on the one-yard line. Uh, they called the play at the line of scrimmage, and Bo didn't hear the call. He went left. The play was supposed to go right. Bo was the blocker for Brent Fullwood, the other running back. So Fullwood had no blocker and basically was run straight out of bounds. So they referred to this play as wrong way, Bo, and they lost the game. The head coach was a little confused, too. Uh, from the offensive coach as to uh, it's fourth and one and we have Bo Jackson. Why did you give the ball to the other yeah. running back? So it's almost like in the Super Bowl, why'd you throw the ball instead of give the ball to Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> right? So Yeah, a very similar play. Yes. So anyway, Alabama uh, won that game 17 to 15. Auburn played Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl, and Auburn won 21-15. Bo had 18 carries, 88 yards, and two touchdowns, and he was named MVP of that game. In his senior year, Auburn went to the Cotton Bowl against Texas A&M. Bo had 31 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Auburn lost 36-16, to but Bo is named co-MVP, even though they lost. So that doesn't happen very often, usually, like the MVP. It's rare that the MVP from the losing team... This is the year. This is this is the year in 1985. I'll tell you his his stats for this year: 278 carries, 1,786 yards rushing. That's a 6.4 uh, yards per carry. His longest rush was 76 yards. He had 17 touchdowns. Uh, another handful of receptions for about 73 yards. So he this is the year he wins the Heisman Trophy, which the Heisman Trophy is college football's most outstanding player, and both finishes his Auburn career with 80. I think he still holds it to this day, the Auburn rushing record. So he finished uh, his four year career with 4,303 yards rushing, mm-hmm. which is dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and considering uh, in 1984, I believe he was hurt and didn't play the whole season. Mm. So in 84, he only had 87 carries for 475 yards and five touchdowns. So the fact that he amassed 4,300 yards when sitting out, a year is pretty stupid. Build up a lead, right? <laughs> yes, just just carry right. over that decathlon yeah. approach and right so, into your college football, football. Yeah, yeah. He did pretty well in his sophomore year there as well. He had 158 carries and 1,200 yards rushing and mm. 12 touchdowns. So he 
he's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Not 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 horrible. But Heisman, the Heisman Trophy is a big deal. Big deal mm-hmm. in college football. So this is uh, this is the thing. He he does all this, but at the same time, he's playing baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he played baseball in, at Auburn as well. So he did have some pretty good stats. He that's the thing. He loves baseball. He's not. I. I don't really understand baseball, and that's where you're going to get into it. Uh, I've never really understood baseball. I cannot understand the fascination that the Americans have for baseball as the national pastime. I find it one of the most boring sports to watch on TV. I I don't mind watching it live. I don't mind being there, but still sitting through. How many fucking innings are there? Nine? Yeah. I still find that, like, honestly, and I've, I think we've even mentioned this before, the the props that I give Neil for being able to watch 162 baseball games plus yeah. playoffs is, or listen to, or however he does, like, I, I don't know how he does it. Like, yeah. and, and spring training. Yeah. Listening oh, yeah, because he used to travel down to Florida. Didn't he to go watch them in spring well, he's training? he's watched them a couple of times, but he'll yeah. even listen to them on the radio. Yeah, like, that's... It's commitment. Like, good on you, buddy, because I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I, you know, I get it. You're passionate about something. You, you definitely get into it. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. To me, I find baseball a little boring. It's fun to play. I mm-hmm. love playing it. But to watch it, I find it a little boring. But mm-hmm. obviously, I'm sure there's people out there. Like, I love football and basketball. And people are probably like, well, basketball's fucking stupid. And football's dumb and whatever. Mm-hmm. They can't watch it either. So I get it, I mm-hmm. guess. But it's I give them credit <laughs> for being able to do that. In his, his baseball career at Auburn, uh, in his last season there, he only plays 22 games in the final season, and we're going to get into why that happens in a few minutes. So I have his baseball stats here, but I think he finishes his he finishes his, his college baseball career with 70 home runs. I think that's pretty good. But he only plays three seasons in 84. Like we said, he was injured playing football, so he didn't even play the 84 season. And then in 86 – his shortened mm-hmm. shortened season. Uh, Bo did track at Auburn as well. He qualified for the NCAA Nationals in the 100-meter dash in his freshman and sophomore years. He considered a career in track and field, but sprinting would not gain him the financial security of the MLB or NFL, nor would he have sufficient time to train given his other commitments. So he held records, the 50-meter, I guess that was an event. I don't know if that still is, 50 meters. Mm. He did it in 5.49 seconds. That was in Rosemont, Illinois in 1984. And 100 meter, his best time was 10.39, which... In we're 100 gonna, meter? Yeah, and we're going to get into... That's pretty damn good. Well, considering how this man was built and what he looked like, people like that should not move like that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, the, the actually, the, the sprinters that you see now are more built like him back then. Yes. The the 100 meter sprinters weren't built the same back no, in the 80s. But he, Bo was bulky. Like he was a big. Yeah, if you see some of the guys now, though, yeah. they look like. They yeah. look like monsters. Yeah, okay. And so yeah. so the athletes today, though, mm-hmm. that's with sports science, understanding, yes. proper training. This dude was just built that way, built himself that way, yeah. and then had this natural ability to move that fast. So yeah. I think that's the thing that people have to put into context. Yes. Is his size then compared to the people then. Yes. Well, this 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 next little fucking thing here is is ridiculous. And this is going to get into his size and how people, his size should not move like this. So Bo had a pro day for football. And in 2017, I'm sure you remember this, John Ross, who's a wide receiver in the NFL, played for the Bengals. I think he may have moved on playing for somebody else. He ran an official 4.22 second 40-yard dash, and that's a record. 
at Bo Jackson's Pro Day, it is reported that Bo ran an unofficial 4.13 second 40-yard dash. That's stupid. Wow. That is dumb. That is not humanly possible <laughs> to, considering if you see John Ross and you put him next to Bo Jackson, J- John Ross is literally half a human being compared to Bo. Mm-hmm. And super fast, but that's... We're talking like Usain Bolt fucking speed. Mm-hmm. And that it's it's unadulterated power yeah the the power that he generates through that body is so evident in the in the in the highlights yes and i think that's the funny thing is when people look at the highlights and people will go back and find these highlights now after listening to the show all two of you out there are going to watch them go (laughs) and you're gonna say well no the, the athletes back then just weren't good enough it's no. it's like the hockey conversation, oh, right? Yeah. Goalie's equipment wasn't wasn't big enough. It wasn't yeah. whatever, and they're gonna oh yeah, those athletes weren't strong. Fuck, what are you talking about? Yeah, this guy made it look so simple because of the amount of energy that he generated through the power in that frame. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, he, yeah. So we're gonna Bo's gonna move on here from college into the professional world. And we're going to start with a little story here and I go back to why he didn't finish his last year of baseball. And we'll start with that. And I'm going to tell you right now, Bo does not seem like the kind of guy you want to piss off. No. <laughs> as humble and as nice as he's, you still doesn't seem you want to, you don't want to piss him off. In 1986, this is after winning the Heisman Trophy and being the best college football player in the the country he was the consensus number one overall pick in the draft the tampa bay buccaneers as they had many times held the number one pick almost as many times as that fucking team in detroit no no actually you know what they don't get the number one pick you know what they do they suck but they don't suck enough (laughs) so (laughs) i'd be really interested to know how you feel about that (laughs) anyway i'm not gonna get into those fucking twats anyway it's a lot of number one picks yeah so uh bo had told everybody that it would be a waste of time to pick him. And he wanted to focus on baseball and not play in the NFL. And there's a reason for that. (laughs) So during his senior season, because Bo actually believed he was going to play in the NFL. That's the, that's the direction he was heading. But there's a, there's one event here that changes his basically the course of his professional career during his senior season, the Tampa Bay owner, Hugh Culverhouse Culverhouse, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He flew Bo on his private jet to Tampa to try to coerce Bo to play football. Basically, he'd met with a bunch of teams, I think, but this was whatever. Bo was told by Tampa Bay that this trip was approved by the NCAA. Uh, however, it was not. The trip violated the rules, and Bo was deemed ineligible for the rest of his college career. Bo says Tampa did this on purpose to make it so he couldn't continue to play baseball, so he had no choice but to focus on football. He vowed to never play for Tampa, and uh, I believe the hatred... I think you could see it a little bit in the documentary that he still holds that grudge and still still hates that team. It, it's still going. Tampa didn't listen to him. They did not. They're dumb, but it's Tampa, whatever. They drafted him. And they offer they drafted him number one overall. They offer and they showed it in the the draft room, and you could hear the oh. yeah. even <laughs> in the, the analysts. room, and it was like, "Well, this was a dumb idea." Yeah, even um, the analysts at the draft are like, yeah. "Well, it's interesting because they didn't really show much effort in trying to recruit him and yeah. trying to sign him, so they were kind yeah. of confused." There was a lot of confusion there. Yeah, so Tampa 
anybody draft him, they offer him a five-year, $7.6 million deal, which at that time is fucking enormous. He refused and went to play baseball, but the deal was so enormous in 86, and I think at that time he would have been the highest non-quarterback deal of all time. Bo also said it had been there had been another team. If it had been another team, he may have played football. So if it had been another team that drafted, maybe if he went number two overall or or whatever, maybe he would have changed his mind. So that leads us up to his baseball career in the MLB. And I'm going to hand it over to you because that's your forte. Because baseball sucks, and I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true that you don't like baseball. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, one of the things that I'll add to that uh, that that thing is, is some people are sitting out there thinking, well, well, you just ran through all of the stats of his yeah. college football and his baseball and his stats in, in football looked much better. Why would he even consider baseball? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it was that, you know, in, in the documentary, Bo talks about how he was tearing the cover off the ball yes. that year in baseball. Yeah. He was ripping it up. He didn't know how many home runs he was sitting on, but he was sitting on a ton of them. His his average was up, which was odd for him because he was a he was a strikeout. He's a home run hitter. Yes, and generally speaking, with home run hitters, they strike out a lot. Yes, because so, yeah. So sorry, I do have here that he had played twenty two games. He had sixty nine at bats. Uh, he scored twenty one runs, mm-hmm. uh, eighteen hits. He only had eighteen hits, but seven of them were home runs. Yeah, yeah. and he was batting. Uh, doesn't have his percentage here. His his, his batting average. But uh, yeah, you could figure that out, I suppose. Yeah, he's he's never going to be known as a as an average hitter for sure. Like you know, he's not going to be hitting for average, but he's going to be hitting for power. And if he's talking about tearing the tearing the cover off the ball, that obviously means he was locked into his zone. Yeah, in his, I'm not sure about these these stats, what they mean, but his, I think his slugging percentage was sixty point uh, six five two. So okay. that's what sixty five percent. His. OBP, what's that? On, on base percentage? On base percentage was 40, uh, 0.424. Mm-hmm. And OPS, what's that? OPS? Uh, yeah, it's over 1,000, whatever it was. I'm assuming that's good. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah so it's it's fascinating. So we, we get into uh, the baseball. Bo has now decided that he's going to focus his energies in a different direction from football. Mm-hmm. And the baseball draft is upon us. And the Kansas City Royals are sitting there looking at their pick and they've got the fourth round pick, 105th pick Mm -hmm. in the draft. Mm -hmm. And they're looking around, they're looking around and they're like, you know what? You know what we're going to do? We pick Vincent Jackson, otherwise known as Bo. Right. And the whole sports world is like, oh my God, like this is kind of risky. Like what, what are you doing with this? What are you hoping to do with this? This guy just shunned football. Yes. He was drafted first overall. That's a dream position for most people. But they still believed he was going to go to the NFL, right? They believed this, right? So there was a lot of, you know, speculation. They didn't know if this guy was just temperamental, Mm -hmm. Bo, or if he was, you know, very, like, convinced in what he was doing. So Kansas City's like, well, who cares? The franchise isn't going to fold on a fourth round pick. Right. So let's go with it. So they do. They draft him. Well, I mean, from there begins a phenom in the baseball world mm-hmm. like this this guy breaks onto the scene and sure he's not hitting for average but he's 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 tearing the ball up when he hits it right oh, oh yeah he like we i didn't get into as much stats as you did but right. um and then we're actually going to to jump back in because 
there's nothing really for me to talk about there when he comes into baseball because then quickly he's thrust back into right. the football field. The only thing that I wanted to, to say at this point in time, Kansas City signs him up. He goes on to play in the All-Star game, mm-hmm. right? So All-Star game, he, they put him in the leadoff position. So this was, I had done some research online and then watching that documentary was great because it was giving me context. Yes. So they... All-star game, pretty obvious. I mean, you've got players like Cal Ripken Jr., Kirby Puckett, who I despise. <laughs> now, the reason I despise him is because he played for Minnesota at the time, okay. and the Jays and, and Minnesota had some some battles. The yes. Jays couldn't get over that particular hump. And he was just like he was just like a little weeble. He's like he just he's like this little midget guy. But yeah. he was a phenomenal player. Yeah. Anyways, they put him at the top of the order and he's leading off. Yes. As Bo says in the documentary, I've never let off in my entire life. Right. A player like that, you put in the fourth position. Yeah. Right? He's a cleanup hitter. You want to get a couple of guys on base yeah. so that way the power comes up and blasts it over the fence and yeah. you're scoring as many runs as you possibly can. Yeah. You don't put him in the leadoff position. Yeah. Anyways, they do. The pitcher that they had up there, all-star pitcher, of course, you're surrounded by all-stars. Mm-hmm. This sinkerball pitcher, I love the story the way Bo tells it. Right? Yeah. He's a sinkerball pitcher. So he gets up there and throws the first pitch. And Bo watches it, and it does this, and it drops. Yes. Right? Second pitch, drops. Third pitch, over the fence. <laughs> Bo crushes this thing, right? And that there ends up earning him MVP honors of the All-Star yeah, game. Yeah, because I think it, I looked at his stats for that game. The rest of the game wasn't very good for him. No. But no. this is the way All-Star games yeah, work, right? for sure. Uh, especially with, with baseball, because yeah. you're in there for two, maybe three innings. Yeah. And you've got to make an impact. And he did. Yes. You know, for, sure did. Like, literally the third pitch. Yeah. And he earned MVP honors based on that. Yeah. So that's a cool individual honor for him based on, you know, where yeah. he came from. This guy was a perennial first-round pick overall in football yes and now he's in the all-star game hitting home runs a few years later he also i thought this was interesting because there isn't a lot of stats there's not a lot of stats uh on him because he just didn't have the time no right uh but he did tie a then record of four straight home runs in four straight at bats that was the that was the (laughs) major league record at the time and then that got me thinking well, where does he stand then in the annals of time when it comes to home runs? Mm-hmm. Finished eighth when he retired. Finished eighth in MLB uh, with 32 home runs that, that year. Okay. When. So that was the all-star year? Yeah. 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 So, so that that there I found kind of interesting from, from a baseball perspective and kind of starting that career. And we're going to get back into more baseball stuff yeah. later on. But we're going to take a little bit of a dip back. Well, I just wanted to say before we leave the baseball, what I found amazing was watching these guys and guys that I recognize names. And I wasn't a baseball fan like like George Brett and and all these guys talking about how when he was at bat, you didn't miss it because there's that chance of something happening. Yeah, yeah, he struck out a lot or whatever, but there's that chance of you're going to miss something. And I mean... That the very first game that he played in MLB goes up against arguably one of the greatest pitchers of all time in, in Steve Carlton, and they said the first pitch he hit it so far they they called it foul, but he believes it was fair and it should have been a home run. The next pitch he hits to second base, 
easy out. No, he outruns it and is safe. Yeah. <laughs> that is dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like I couldn't hit it to the fucking fence and outrun it <laughs> to first base. This guy hits it literally almost in the infield and outruns it. And that's his first ever at bat in the major. In the major. What the fuck? Was but, you- like, that's, that's the thing is all these great baseball players are like, didn't want to miss it. You wanted to watch him when he was out there. Must see, must see TV. And I think yeah. that that's the thing, again, with that humbleness that he brings to the game and, and yeah. what he expects of himself. You go from crushing your first major league home run, mm-hmm. perceivably, yeah. and then it gets called foul, to running out, legging out an infield hit yeah. uh, as your first major league at bat, batting a thousand. Well, that's the thing. And it's like, it's a super, it's, it would be a crazy highlight that this is your first at bat in the major leagues and you fucking hit a ball farther than anybody's hitting that park or whatever that was. He doesn't, they call it foul, but somehow that at bat is still a highlight play. Yeah. Like (laughs) that is, that is because of what he does next. Like it's crazy. I mean, watching his highlights, the, the running up the wall, Mm -hmm. the running through the wall, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like that throw, (laughs) we, we watched it last night where he threw it, and threw the guy out. I can't remember the guy's name, Reynolds or something, but he was known for being super fast. And yeah. both threw him out from, what's that, left field? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off, the fe- off the top of the fence. And yeah. he just turned around and gunned it. Well, and the- it was right into the catcher's hand. Like, uh, the catcher himself yeah. was leaving the field. Yeah. Everybody, they were leaving the dugout. They thought the game was over. Yep. Like, the pitcher at the time. and and But then the catcher's like, oh, shit, he's throwing the ball. To me. To me. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, gunned him down, and yeah. and that guy was livid. He was on the ground. Reynolds was on the ground. Yeah. He's like, nobody, who did that? No, nobody could do that. He's not supposed to be able to do it. But yeah. guess what? He did. Yeah, and he did it with relative ease. Well, that and and that highlight of that throw. There's many of them where he's thrown from center field. He's thrown from left field, right field, wherever the hell he is, and they look like perfect stripes, and they strikes, and they don't one hop into the catcher. Well, the funny thing <laughs> I found is how much he touted his own arm. Yes. In the documentary, he talks about how, like, you know, as, as a kid, what we were discussing earlier, when throwing around rocks and stuff like that, they would have crab apple fights. Yes. And he would be <clears throat> launching crab apples at kids. And they would be so done with having, being hit by these crab apples that they would run in the house. And But he wasn't done. No. He was just getting started. Yeah. And he'd be launching crab apples through screen doors and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, that's obviously not like, oh, it's just a screen door. But it was the stamina and you know the wherewithal yeah. to just keep going, but yeah, his arm strength was was asinine. Yeah. Um. And later on, he carries that into other hobbies. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's one of the things that I found very interesting. Which, coincidentally, back in that time when you had outfielders, because generally outfielders, you know, were especially in left field, you did put a, an athlete out there who was not necessarily as proficient as center field. They wouldn't have as much range. Or right field, because right fielders, you would put, you know, the stronger arm out there. Right. It's a longer throw from there to home plate. He could play any of those positions yeah. with ease. But they were built that way back then. Those mm-hmm. those outfielders, they were built massive and you just kind of stuck them places. Yeah. I don't think that they know what to do with this guy. Because yeah. he could play any of the outfield with ease. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things they said. Like, he did play every position um, at some point, right? Because he was pitching. No hitters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, High school, you just put that yeah. kid everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess we'll go back here to 1987. We'll go backwards a little bit. So, Bo, right now, his legend is growing in the baseball world. So, what would you do if your legend's growing? 
go play another fucking professional sport, I guess. Absolutely. So in 1987, having turned down the Bucks in 1986, and they forfeited their rights to him right before the 1987 NFL draft. So his name went back into the draft, and I didn't realize this was a thing, that they could do this. So anyway, along comes one of the strangest, most eccentric people who has ever been involved with the NFL ever. And his name's Al Davis and the owner of the, well, then the Los Angeles Raiders, but they've been the Oakland Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. Now they're the Las Vegas Raiders and owned by his son with probably the worst fucking haircut in all of professional sports. Mm -mm. Anyway, so here we are with the one. So 86, he went number one overall. 87, number 183. Is in the seventh round of the 1987 NFL draft because at this point he is a baseball player mm-hmm. and everybody has fucking whatever. So he tells the story there. His agent called and said, "Hey, if you wanted to play football, there's a team interested." And he said, uh, "Well, who is it?" And he says, "The Raiders." And he goes, "Sure, mm-hmm. why not?" So 183, pick seven. Uh, the Los Angeles Raiders select Bo Jackson, running back from Auburn. Now he was not in attendance uh, at that time. So Bo said uh, to no one that he wouldn't sign. However, Al Davis, who was a huge Bo Jackson fan, made it known that he would support Bo playing baseball and joining the Raiders. He didn't want to give up his baseball. That was the only reason he didn't want to play, but he would play. But it's the whole thing. So Al Davis says, you can play baseball. You can do, do whatever you want. That's fine. Play baseball. Come play for us afterwards. So. He plays the entire baseball season, and then he joins the the Raiders after the baseball season's over. Bo, <laughs> this is dumb. He would negotiate a ridiculous deal for a guy who is going to play six or seven games a season. That's that's it. He signs a five-year, $7.4 million deal. So he gets just as much money as the Tampa Bay was going give, to give him for the same amount of time to play half a season. So it included a $500,000 signing bonus, and there was another 500000 if he returned in 1988. So this is a dumb deal, but Al Davis is known for this shit. And, and I think Howie Long in the documentary talks about how Al Davis had a focus on, on, on speed and power and, and size. And size. So that's what... Uh, so, so in 1987, it's the strike-shortened season, the one that... Um, this is the inspiration for one of our favorite movies, The Replacements, mm-hmm. <laughs> with our boy Keanu. He's probably going to come up in every episode because uh, Keanu was the first episode of the show. So, I, I mean, he has to get mentioned like, in every one. Like a dream that you don't want to wake from. <laughs> That's right. Yes, it is. So, in week seven, on November 7th, 1987, Bo Jackson makes his NFL debut. And it's a 26-23 to loss. Bo had eight carries for 37 yards. So uh, he shares the backfield with another former Heisman winner and 1984 Super Bowl MVP and future Hall of Famer Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen is no joke when it comes to running backs and where he ranks all time. He, If you watch him at the end of his career, you're probably like, eh. But this guy was good. This was, this was a great, great running back. Silky's and he moves. has one of the most iconic touchdown runs in Super Bowl histories, which went for 74 yards, and I... That record stood for seven, for 22 years. Mm. Marcus Allen's the, the longest uh, touchdown run in, in Super Bowl history. So, In his rookie year, this is where Bo becomes a legend. On November 30th, 1987, Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. the Raiders visited the Kingdom in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Bo had started to make a name for himself in the league, and 
as as being a very tough runner and very hard to tackle. So all eyes are on Bo when he stepped on the field. In the days leading up to this game, another budding NFL star, <laughs> defensive star, and fellow rookie, Brian the Boz Bosworth. And if you don't know who this guy is, I would say he marketed himself. He wanted to be the, the guy. He was creating something. He was, yes. So what did he do? He decided to insult Bo. And he said that he would be able to contain him. Well, as we know, with great superstar athletes, you don't poke the bear. In the second quarter, Bo was handed the ball and blew past Boz in a flash and ran down the sidelines untouched for a 91-yard touchdown. This is an iconic touchdown where he runs right through the end zone and up the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> right off the field. Uh, in the third quarter, this is where this is where magic happens and this is where the legend of Bo Jackson is solidified. So it's the third quarter. Bo was handed the ball on the two-yard line. The only thing that was in his way was the Boz. Bo lowered his shoulder and went through him like he was nothing went right into the end zone Bo finishes the night with 18 carries 221 yards two touchdowns as well as one reception for a touchdown it's it's hard to see or i would hate to seen what Bo could have done had brian not contained him that game uh, <laughs> <laughs> so 221 yards uh, is a monday night football record and it still stands to this day uh, and I believe that 91-yard touchdown was a, the longest run on Monday Night Football for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. So here's his stats for his rookie year. So he only played seven games. So 81 rushing attempts, 554 yards rushing. That's a 6.8 yards per carry average. His longest was that 91-yard touchdown. He had four touchdowns. He also had 16 receptions for 136 yards and two touchdowns. In his rookie year, he plays seven games. Bo Jackson wins the Burt Bell Rookie of the Year Award. This isn't the NFL Rookie of the Year Award. This award is actually discontinued in 1996, but basically they give him a Rookie of the Year Award, and he played seven games. His best season is in 1989. He played played 11 games. This is his, for yards-wise. He's 173 rushing attempts, 950 yards rushing. His longest is 92. That's uh, I think that's the longest run of his his, his career. Uh, he has four touchdowns and a few re- a handful of receptions, but uh, that's his best season. Also this year he sets the Raider record for longest touchdown runs. That's the ninety-two yarder. And when you watch it, it looks like he runs more than a hundred yards. And actually, I think they showed it in the documentary last night. That's the one where he starts going one way and then he turns around and reverses all the way to the other side mm. of the field and then goes up the mm-hmm. the side of the field. And I think they were talking about it because the guy. Uh, the guy caught him right before he went into the end zone. Yeah. They were trying to make a hero out of that guy or whatever because he caught him. But this is, uh, he's he's six foot one at this point and 225 pounds. And if you watch him, the guy that size shouldn't move like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they shouldn't. So 1990 was a, oh yeah, sorry. Sorry, here we go. Sorry, 1990 is a big year for him. It's also a big year for me as well. Me, good. Him, not so good, but whatever. He, <laughs> yeah. So on December 10th, 1990, myself, uh, my stepdad, and my grandpa, we drove to the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan, in Detroit. And it was Monday Night Football. And I went and watched the Los Angeles Raiders against the fucking Detroit Red Lions. <laughs> so I don't know if you uh, were able to catch. The disdain and disappointment in yeah. which he said that because yeah. this is the audio version of this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of hurt and shame in those eyes. Yeah. So I'm a huge, huge Bull fan, obviously, but I am a giant Detroit Lions fan, unfortunately. 
So in the first quarter of that game, the Lions were winning 21-14. to 14. It was the highest scoring first quarter in Monday Night Football history. I'm not sure if that still stands. So it's 21 to 14 at the end of the first. Barry Sanders, who is another huge, I'm another huge fan of another running back that I that I love there, scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. Then in the second quarter, I got to see what I was there for. Bull ripped off a 55 yard touchdown run. I watched it again while researching this episode, and I still fucking got goosebumps. <laughs> so the Raiders ended up winning the game 38 to 31. Barry Sanders finished the game with 25 carries, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. Bo Jackson finished the game with 18 carries, 129 yards. And, of course, that 55-yard touchdown, uh, they referred to the game as the Bow and Barry Show. There was a, a set of cards, like football cards, like uh, Upper Deck or whatever, but these ones were called Pro pro st- or pro or Liners. I can't remember. It was Pro something. Anyway, they were football cards, like baseball cards. And there was a special card, that, and I still have it somewhere, and it is a picture of the two of them, and it's called the Bow and Barry Show, and it is about that that game. Wow. So, I believe it was. I think it was pro line that uh, pro line or yeah. yeah something along those lines yeah so that was uh, that was great that year he's elected to the Pro Bowl and he's also he was elected to the All Star Game which you mentioned and, and he's the only player to be elected to both of those mm-hmm. uh, he would not play in the Pro Bowl though and there's a big giant reason for that yeah I. He he finished uh, 1990 with uh, 10 games played, 125 yards or 100. Sorry, 125 attempts, 698 yards. Uh, his longest run was 88 yards. He had five touchdowns. On January 13th, 1991, in a playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals, Bo was having a great day. Six carries for 77 yards. Six. In the third quarter, he ripped off a 34-yard gain on his way to the end zone, and I really, really, really wish he would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, linebacker number fifty-nine. Fuck this guy, Kevin Walker. It's not his fault, but whatever. Kevin Walker tackled Bo from behind. He went down awkwardly. He was trying to stretch for extra yards. And if you watch the video, it doesn't look horrible, but obviously it's devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, he did get up and get to the sidelines, but he he dislocated his hip. And what he tells you in the thing, the worst thing that he could have done uh, was he popped it back into place. So he dislocated his hip. Uh, he realized the injury on the field. He physically popped it back in as he rolls over. Um, which damages the blood vessels supplying blood to the area. While the doctors did not find proof that Jackson physically reset his hip, they did discover that there was a fracture of one of Jackson's hip bones. Within a month of, month of the injury, Jackson had been diagnosed with avascular necrosis of the hip joint. He also was found to have lost all the cartilage supporting the hip. So I think when he he says he, it popped out and he put it back in, so when he put it back in, that's what severed the the artery or whatever and it stopped supplying blood the blood vessels the, yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah that supplies to the uh to the cartilage area and then it yeah. just died off yeah so here's here's the crazy thing uh the Bengals fans out there they theorized that this injury to one of the greatest athletes ever placed a curse on the Bengals franchise sometimes called the curse of Bo Jackson and this curse is partially responsible for the Bengals notorious failure to field a competitive football team for most of the next decade and a half and the Bengals have not won a playoff game since interesting and they believe that sis personally for myself and I'm going to tell you this right now I blame this injury on my sister Leslie (laughs) and why is that (laughs) I still haven't forgiven her to her. And I fucking called her and told her that I was putting this in here. And she was like, she laughs at me. But so I was very excited to watch this football game when I was a kid because Bo was in the playoffs. And I was 
fucking I wasn't a baseball fan, so I was excited to watch Bo play in the playoffs. And right before the game, my sister said to me because she wanted the TV to watch something else. And this was a time when you only had one TV in the house. You didn't have a whole bunch of them. That's how old we are. <laughs> anyway, she did not want to watch football, so she says to me, you know Bo Jackson's going to get hurt today. Oh, boy. So she did it. That is some Wiccan, very advanced. Oh, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, it makes me look at this whole situation in a new light. Changes everything, right? So, Leslie, I love you, but fuck you, you hurt Bo Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing this back (laughs) to a different realm for one second. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great little anecdote Mm. there. Um, it's good to have multiple sources to blame. I think the thing (laughs) that I find interesting about this is when I was doing my research on the injury and even some of the, you know, words that are spoken about this, Mm -hmm. they talk about him popping his hip back in like, and, and what I envisioned is him there, like jostling with it and popping it back in. If you pay attention to the words that he spoke yesterday in the documentary, he said he rolled over and it popped back in. Yeah. It was more freak than I think people yeah. want to give it credit for. Yeah. You know, him popping it back in or it popping back <clears throat> in is a big difference. When I first read it, I was like, oh, this guy is just a meathead. He just wants to be out there. He's like, ah, it's fine. I'll just walk it off. Yeah. But it's pretty evident that this is a freak accident yes. and everything that transpires from there is freak. And of course, he is a monster. He's not going to feel pain the same way as most people feel. But this thing was just devastating, man, all the way around. Yes. I have his uh, his career stats for the NFL. So here he played 38 career games. He had 515 rushing attempts, 2,782 yards. That's an average of 5.4 yards a carry. His longest was 92. He had 16 touchdowns, 40 receptions for 352 yards. Uh, his longest reception was 27 yards. And he's had two receiving touchdowns. Anyway, so I thought what would be fun here is based on those stats to see what could have been. Mm-hmm. So the average superstar running back lasts from 9 to 12 years. I looked at Barry Sanders from around the same time because sports science uh, now is, is is different compared to what was happening back then. So both had started playing in 1986 and barring injuries because, well, this is just for fun, whatever. Uh, I'm going to say Bo played 10 years. And focused on football alone, like Barry, and played 16 games a season. Barry had 3,062 rushing attempts, only missed seven games. Bo would have missed at least three games due to the strike. So that's 157 games played. I'm going to drop it down to 150 out of 10 years, just because there's probably a couple other games. He averaged uh, carrying the ball 13.5 times a game. We'll round that up to 14. His yards per carry in his career were 5.4. So that equals 75.6 yards a game over 150 games. That equals 11,343 or 40 rushing yards on 21 rushing attempts. 2,100 rushing attempts and probably about 63 touchdowns. That's good enough to put him next to Hall of Famers. O.J. Simpson, John Riggins, and Thurman Thomas between 15th and 20th on all time on the list. Mm. Like that's not, those. that's pretty good comp other than the murdering part of O.J. Simpson. But that's pretty good. <laughs> those are different record books. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's pretty good company to be in. And you think with numbers like that, that's a Hall of Fame football career, mm-hmm. really. So, I mean, you know, but 
because he was forced to retire, we didn't we didn't get to see that. And that's one of the things they mentioned in the documentary is that I find like a lot of people when I mention Bo Jackson, a lot of people don't know who he is. And I think it's brought up in the documentary because as quickly he was there, he was gone. Yeah. And that was it. And it was like his his actual legend is so short. So Anyway, that was his, that was basically his his NFL career. It was very brief, memorable for me, and maybe some for, for some other fans of him. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, twenty seven hundred rushing yards in a career is nothing. Yeah, like that's. I mean, running backs do that in two years now. Uh, and uh, yeah, so football's over. And I guess if you want to go back and because there is more to his athletic story after football's done, so. Yeah, Bo's not done. No. Right. And and so what ends up happening after the injury and after a lot of consideration, Kansas City decides that they are going to release him. Ninety one, mm-hmm. they're gonna release him. And unser- it wasn't unceremonious. It, it was it was pretty understood. Uh, Bo Jackson handles it with nothing but class, just oozing with class. Right. You know, they show it in the documentary. He's saying bye to his his friends and and as he says, he wasn't disappointed that he was not gonna be playing baseball. He was disappointed and sad more that he was losing these relationships. Right. Right. But on the way out of that dressing room, he looks at George Brett and says, I'll be back. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point in time, George Brett's probably thinking to himself, this guy is fucking neurotic. (laughs) There's no possible way he's coming back from this. Nobody does. No. Right. Because then it comes out shortly thereafter that he's going to have he's going to have a hip replacement. Yes. And at this point in history, there's no player that's playing with a hip replacement in major league sports. No. So they, they release him. Well, later on, that after the surgery takes place, mm-hmm. Chicago gets wind that he's working out like a fiend. Mm-hmm. He is looking to get back to shape. Mm-hmm. Better than he ever was before, based on his own accounts. Yeah. He was working out like a monster. So Jerry Reisendorf, Reis- uh, did I say that correctly? I think so. He is the owner of the Bulls at the time. Oh, Oh, yeah, I don't know his fucking name. Yeah, 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 I know. Who and talking. he's also involved with the Chicago White Sox. Yes. So the Chicago White Sox think to themselves, well, we're just going to sign him as a free agent, mm-hmm. right? He wants to come back. Let's sign him as a free agent. We don't know what we're going to get yeah. from them. Nobody knows what they're going to get from nope. them. As everybody thinks, he's just going to come back as a flash in the pan. This guy just wants, he, his career is cut short. This mm-hmm. guy had all the promise in the world to yep. be a multi-sport Hall of Famer. Yes. Right? So they sign him. Um, which is interesting because it's in the same year that the Bulls beat the Lakers in five games. Michael Jordan uh, was the league and finals MVP that year, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, based on the things that I had looked at. What year was that? I think it was uh, 91. Yeah. 91. Yep. Yep. So Jerry Reisendorf is like, fuck, man, I'm playing with house money. Both my teams can, can do no <clears throat> wrong yep. because uh, Chicago is, is coming off great years as well. Now, the funny thing is, so they signed him to a one-year deal um seven hundred thousand dollars with a two-year option could pay him a total of 8.15 million if he plays out the whole contract now i don't know exactly how much he ended up getting of that but it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. the thing that i find interesting though is before chicago had uh signed him there were two teams there was a couple of teams that expressed interest two teams in particular one the atlanta braves the other one the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh. Now, this would have been fascinating because I know your love for Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I also know your hate for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this brings up a very important question. Yeah. 
would you have gone and become a Blue Jays fan had Bo Jackson signed with them? Well, I had watched the Blue Jays when they won their World Series and stuff. So, I mean, I did. I was a proud Canadian watching the, you know, Canadian team win the World Series. So, I mean, yeah, I probably would have. I did have the Kansas City Royals stuff uh, because he played for, I think I had a hat and I might have had a shirt. Um, So... Yeah, I probably, I probably would have. I, I definitely had Chicago White Sox stuff because I was such a Bulls fan back then that uh, it trans and I really liked how when the White Sox changed their logo and they had that kind of like old school logo with the black pinstripes. I really liked that. So I had a, I had a White Sox hat and I had a, I had a White Sox jersey. That wasn't his. I don't think it was anybody's. I think it was just a White Sox jersey. So yeah, I was. Def- I probably, yeah, I probably would have had a Bo Jackson Blue Jays jersey and I, I would have been all decked out in Blue Jays everywhere. Like yeah, I would have. I would love. I would pay money to see you in a Blue Jays uniform jersey because that yeah. that would be yeah. that would be outstanding. Yeah. As it turns out, thanks to a new stadium and the Chicago White Sox medical staff and the city itself, Bo decides to sign with them. Mm-hmm. So he he plays twenty three games in ninety one. He sat out ninety two after having the hip replacement surgery. Ninety three dedicates the season to his mom. Mm-hmm. Now this was something. <laughs> it causes me to fucking tear up right now. Yeah, I noticed that last night, and I think it almost made me go too. And, and yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's it's touching story because, as you said at the beginning of this recording, we're mama's boys, right? Yeah. And he dedicates yes. the season to his mom. She gets diagnosed with cancer before he's able to get up to the plate. His mom ends up passing away. Yes, but as we've stated already, even though this guy is not in any Hall of Fames, he knows how to make an impact. Oh fuck yeah, he does. Right? <laughs> yeah. He steps up to the plate. Yeah. He said he's going to dedicate the first, the season and the first at-bat to his mom. Yeah. What does he do? Yeah. Home run. Gone. Home Bye. run. Of course he's going to hit a home run. Because yes. why wouldn't he? Yeah. Right? As you're sitting down with a pen and the paper and you're writing the script of Bo Jackson's life. Yeah. Of course he's going to hit a home run. Yeah. So he hits the home run first plate appearance. And so he, he would fulfill his promise to his mom. And uh, then he would play 85 games in 93. The White Sox win the uh, American League West mm-hmm. that year. They then lose to the eventual, four, they end up losing 4-2 to two in the series to the eventual World Series champions, mm. the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> so it's interesting to me that Toronto keeps kind of coming around mm-hmm. this uh, this story because I had no idea there was any kind of a link to the Jays right. and Bo Jackson. So I found that pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. He finishes his career with California in 1994 after playing uh, 75 games with the Angels, 115 games during the strikeout shortened or strike shortened season. Mm-hmm. In '94, he decides that it's time for him to hang it up. He wants to spend more time with his family. He retires from baseball the following season. From there, he ends up going into the next chapter of his life, uh, which is pretty fascinating. But before we get into that, was there anything else that you had had? Yeah, we're going to go back a little bit because we've we've kind of talked about the athletic feats and whatnot from baseball and football. But while all of that was going on and his legend was growing, we're going to talk about one of the biggest ad campaigns that has ever come out of anything ever and Mm -hmm. i mean i think even if you don't know who he is or you don't remember this ad campaign it's going to sound familiar because it's bled into everything and that of course is the bow nose campaign Mm -hmm. it was released it was for the release of the nike air trainer one it was a cross-training shoe and it was the first of its kind 
And uh, you knew the guy in the in the video last night. I didn't know him, the Tinker guy or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck his name was. Shoe designer for Nike. Yeah. So or Nike. And, he, and he designed the shoe for him, and he made it specifically to kind of. I didn't realize the the, the bulky muscles are supposed to look like on the show on the shoe, and that's to represent Bo because that's fucking what he was mm-hmm. was a monster. The commercials are are pretty famous, uh, where he's taking up a litany of different sports. He's uh, playing tennis, golf, luge, auto racing. Yeah, there's bu- blues music playing in the background, and uh, he's, he plays hockey at one point. Uh, all the athletes are in the in the in the campaign with him. Uh, Jordan's in the one, and he's saying Bo knows basketball, and you see Bo dunking, and you see, and I think it was John McEnroe, I think, is yep. in it, and he's like Bo knows tennis, and you see him playing tennis, and Bo knows football, and Bo knows, and they've got. Uh, it was, I think it was Chris Everett was the quarterback that was saying Bono's football. And then there's a baseball player. I can't remember. Was it Cal Ripken? I think it was Cal Ripken yeah. Jr. says Bono's baseball. And then, yeah. Uh, so the whole time the, the blues music is playing in the background. And then you see Bo with the guitar trying to play blues. And the very famous blues musician, Bo Diddley, in the commercial. And that's how it ends is you don't know Diddley. Um, One of the things that I love that they throw in there too is, you know, they throw hockey a bone. Yes. Right. And at that point in time, the great one is down in L.A. Yes. Right. So they decide to throw him into the mix there yeah. and they show Bo playing hockey, yeah. just mixing it up in the corner. Yeah. Of course, you don't see whether or not he's wearing skates because he's 100 percent not wearing yeah. skates. Yeah. And then they flash to Gretzky. He skates up to the camera and just shakes his head. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you could, you think about the athletes that are in this commercial with him. And our household names, uh, Cal Ripken Jr., Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, John McEnroe. If you're a tennis fan, you obviously know who the fuck he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, even if you're not, you should know who he is because pretty fucking crazy-ass dude. I um, said to you last night that when that ad came out, yeah. I liked the ad and it sticks out of my head most because of John McEnroe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so these are like huge ad- – so this is how big a star Bo Jackson was. He is thought of as on that level with those guys. So – they they did that whole Bo Nose campaign, and then even after the injury, and I actually had the shirt, uh, it was Bo Nose Comebacks, and they morphed the ad into Bo Nose Comebacks, and I fucking wore the shit out of that goddamn shirt. I also had, this, oh fuck, I had this sweet Raiders shirt that I fucking loved, and I would wear it all the time. It just said Los Angeles Raiders. It had a picture of Tim Brown, wide receiver from the Raiders, and then it had Bo Jackson on the other side, and then there was like football, and I fuck, I probably wore that fucking thing every day. I still have it. Wow. <laughs> I still have Amazing. it. It's in that. Tr- that's if my wife hasn't found it and thrown it out because I don't even think it would fit either of my kids. But they, I, I do. I do probably have it somewhere. And then I had a fucking sweet ass Los Angeles Raiders hat, and it was like uh, if you've seen Straight Outta Compton, the one that Ice Cube wears in in that. Well, his son wears it, but it's Ice Cube in the movie anyway. The exact same hat with the with cursive Los Angeles, and then just big bold Raiders. Right yeah. Now, fucking wore the shit out of that hat too oh yeah those were all over high school man yeah so that bonos campaign is just as big if at the time maybe not now because it's eclipsed it because it was ran longer but as michael jordan's his airness campaign and all that kind of stuff with his his shoes you couldn't turn on the tv without seeing bonos this and bonos that bono and there was so many different iterations of that commercial shortened versions long versions whatever another thing and they, they bring it up in there Bo Jackson had a bunch of video games he had his own video game for the Game Boy which I had and this is I, I forgot the name of it but it's called Hit and Run and you could play both 
baseball and football, and it was for the the Game Boy. He also had uh, Bo Jackson baseball for the NES and the computer. Bo was an unlockable character for years in ESPN's NFL Football and NFL Street Two. Bo made his this is funny. Bo made his Madden debut in 2015. He'd oh. never been on Madden because that took place after his career. So he was available in 2015 and he was also available in 2016. Both then returned in Madden 20 because of fan demand. They Fans wanted him back in the game. So, But uh, the most important one <laughs> and the one that has him named the greatest athlete in video game history. And I had this game and I fucking loved it. I played it all the time. 1989's. Tecmo Bowl for the NES, also known as Tecmo Bowl. He was unfucking touchable. And there's a funny ass clip, and you should go. If I'm sure you've seen the episode, maybe you don't remember, but it's Family Guy, and it's Peter playing Tecmo Bowl against, I think, Joe. And he's Joe's yelling at him because it's unfair. You're playing Bo Jackson, and and he runs up and down the field and back the other way and around. And there's actually a video online on YouTube of a guy playing Tecmo Bowl and he runs out the entire first quarter on the very first play of just running Bo Jackson. He runs down to the end of the field, doesn't score a touchdown, runs all the way back to the other end of the field and then runs all the way back to the other end of the field and does it like three or four times until the, the clock reads zero and then he goes into the end zone and scores a touchdown. He doesn't get tackled once. The whole team is fucking chasing him. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it, I it was unfair to play as the Raiders and, I, and, and a lot of people would say if you were to play this game you can't we'll play but you can't be the raiders you can't be the raiders and i and my stepdad and i had wars because i would be the raiders every time <laughs> but also i i don't know if you remember not a few years ago they did one a great super bowl commercial and it was for the kia sorrento and and it's the actual tech mobile screen and you see bo running and he runs into the end zone, scores a touchdown, and then his football, his little character runs right out the stadium, almost like that iconic touchdown run. And as he runs out, he gets into the Kia Sorento to drive away. And driving the Kia Sorento is Brian the Boz Bosworth. And Are you the, serious? It's the two of them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Boz references is him getting run over, and they talk and they laugh and they drive off. And this was only like a few years ago that they, I remember seeing this commercial. And it was it was. It was good. It was awesome. Oh, it's nice. And, and like, I like to see Bo anytime, whatever he's doing, I kind of check up every now and then to see what he's doing. He's got a great thing going on that we'll talk about in, in a little while. Uh, aside from the Bo Knows campaign and the the video game stuff, the next thing is the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you watched it, but I fucking watched every episode and it was called Pro Stars. And it was Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, and Bo Jackson. It was only one season. There's 13 episodes. I had a VHS tape at one point that had all 13 episodes on it. And God only knows where that fucking went to. But I try, I've tried to look to see if I can find it anywhere. And the show is about three, the three, they fight crime. They're helping children and they're often protecting the environment as well. So those three were selected because they were the, the three biggest stars in four major sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, they did not voice the characters. Uh, it was I can't remember who voiced them, but there was live action scenes where the stars would explain uh, things to children. Jordan was the leader of the group, and he was uh, and Gretzky. Or sorry, Jordan was the leader of the group. He was super smart. Gretzky was comic relief and was always talking about food, which was weird to me because Gretzky is one of the skittiest fucking guys you would have ever seen. And if you just if you saw him off skates and just wandering around, you would not think, well, that that guy's a professional athlete and really good, like. <laughs> But I wonder if there's something to that because later on, then he'd be opening up Gretzky restaurants. 
Yeah, maybe. So, uh, maybe he was know. like a foodie all the way back then. Yeah. So, and then of course, Bo is the muscle in the in this show. And the, the muscle uh, he was. Oh my yes. god, he was like triple the size yeah. in the cartoon that he <laughs> yeah. was in real life. And we've already discussed how massive he was in real life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the opening was highlights from the stars. So there's the highlight of Bo running up the wall and running through the wall, and there's highlights of Gretzky and and uh, Jordan and whatever and. The song that they play is, it sounds a lot like We Will Rock You. And I, I, I'm going to say that the first episode was, but it probably cost a little bit too much to keep that. So, mm. but those are, those are some things that he did. So I'm just going to give you a list of awards that he won here in his, in his career. So 1985, obviously the Heisman Trophy. 1985, he won the Walter Camp Award for Collegiate Football Player of the Year. 85, again, he's Sporting News Player of the Year. 85, UPI Player of the Year. 83 and 85, he's the Consensus All-American. 82, 83, 85, he's First Team All-SEC. 1989, All-Star MVP. 1990, NFL Pro Bowler. In 92, he won the Jim Thorpe Legacy Award. And if you don't know who Jim Thorpe is, he's the original Bo Jackson. <laughs> and uh, Jim Thorpe has an amazing, amazing story. And and I rem- I didn't know who he was. My dad actually told me about Jim Thorpe, and then I, I researched him as I was older. And that's a phenomenal story too. It's a guy that he was native, went to the Olympics, uh, wasn't treated very nicely. Somebody stole his shoes before the big race. He found a pair of shoes in the garbage that didn't fit and were mismatched. Put them on. Uh, fucking set a world record. <laughs> So anyway, uh, so he and he was also a multi-sport uh, athlete as well. I think he played uh, football and, and a bunch of other sports, but he did it professionally as well. 1993, he won Sporting News Comeback Player of the Year. In 1995, he went back to school, finished his Bachelor of Science degree in Family and Child Development at Auburn to fulfill the promise he made to his mother. Mm-hmm. So there's another one that'll give you a little tear. 1996, he was inducted into Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. 1999, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, and Auburn retired his number 34. 2011, he was given the NCAA Silver Anniversary Award for student athletes who had a distinguished career. In 2013, Bo was named the greatest athlete of all time by ESPN Sports Science. In 2016, Bo was inducted into baseball's reliquaries shrine of the internals not 100 sure what that is but wow. sounds like a big deal sounds pretty serious <laughs> bo jackson has been married this is the fuck this is another thing like this is another thing about him and almost to like lebron in a way that there was nothing outside of there wasn't the scandals there wasn't any of that shit going on bo jackson is married to his wife linda since 1987 and they have three children garrett nicholas and a daughter morgan there wasn't there wasn't any of that stuff. There wasn't like I, I believe like he's been with his wife longer than eighty seven, but he's still with her now. Mm-hmm. And LeBron's the same way, like high school sweetheart and kids, and you never hear oh LeBron did this outside his marriage, and LeBron did that, and there's no scandals about him, and he mm-hmm. seems like a stand up guy off off the court on the court. He's a fucking moron, but uh, off the court he's he's uh, a <laughs> yeah you. You can at me if you want and tell me you're fucking different. I don't give two flying fucks. You're never going to convince me anything about LeBron James. Anyway. So <laughs> so you're saying that there's an outside chance that a superstar athlete can be a good human being? Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Wow. You know what I mean? And I think even the ones that do kind of stray from the path are... Uh, some of it is whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It happens. So... 
As we'd mentioned before, a little bit about his stuttering problem. He refers to it. He used to refer to himself in the third person, and that's uh, he still does. But that's how he got over the the stuttering because he had a very t- difficult time saying I. So. Anyway, I think you had some stuff you wanted to tell us about. Uh... Yeah, one of the things that I found interesting is that, you know, like a lot of athletes and a lot of a lot of people who have um, the opportunity to be able to spread their wings a little bit, he's no exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he graduated with his Bachelor of Science, he actually in 96 studied at Steppenwolf, the famed Chicago theater. Okay. Uh, this this theater was actually founded by uh, Jeff Perry, uh, Terry, Terry Kinnear, Kinnear and Gary Sinise. Oh, Gary Sinise. Which eh? is very fascinating. Lieutenant Diane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the founding members recruited six additional members, some of which included Alan uh, Wilder, who's a keyboardist for Depe- Depeche Mode. Okay. John Malkovich. Oh, yeah. Well, and John. none other than Aunt Jackie, Laurie Metcalf herself. Ooh. So there were some really cool people that came out of this theater. So this theater was no joke. Right. And so he studied there. He would go on through the 90s, um, dabbling in acting here and there. He made several TV guest appearances. Some great ones that I remember. Some great ones. (laughs) And you probably will remember these because these are all shows that we watched. Yep. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fucking love that episode. Do you remember the episode? 100%. It was a Halloween episode and it was a two-parter. Well, originally aired, it was a one-parter, but they, they... put it into two parts and he comes in and shakes Will's hand and Will shakes his hand a little too hard and he shakes and he goes, there goes baseball season. (laughs) (laughs) And then Heavy D uh, from Heavy D and the boys is in it and he's talking, he introduced Bo is talking and he references the Bo knows commercial because he says he wants to learn to cook something and and he goes, when it comes to cooking, Bo no no diddly. And then Heavy D comes out and says, I'll teach you something. He goes, follow me, your running backness. And I think Heavy D does a little rap there. Heavy D has passed away since uh, R.I.P., but he says, uh, he, he says, oh, I think you mean to say you don't know diddly, 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 diddly. And he goes in this big, long little rap thing or whatever, and everybody cheers. But yes, I remember, apparently I remember the episode very well. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I did watch it a few times because Bo was in it. I had a feeling that that one would stick with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 1990, he also appeared in Lois and Clark. Which I didn't Don't know. Don't remember that. Don't remember that. Moesha. He was also. He also appeared in Moesha. Okay. And one of our favorite shows of all time, mm-hmm. Married with Children. Yes. Nineteen ninety six. The month is May. Ninety ninety first episode, I believe, season ten, mm-hmm. episode twenty five of yes. that season. Yes. And Bo, do you remember the name of the uh, TV show host that he he plays, or the radio show host that he plays? <sighs> Fuck. He's a sports. Oh fuck! I, I do. And as soon as you say it, it's gonna yeah. It's Kelvin. Kelvin. Yes, Kelvin. Like Farquhar. Yes, Farquhar. Yes, yeah, Farquhar. Yes. Yeah, he comes to Al's home to talk to him. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And he shows up in and he shows up in the in the store to yes. meet Alan. He comes on and and it's so funny because. You know, we talked a lot about his stuttering issues. Yes. And obviously, he's got some studying under his belt at this point in time. He's already built out the person he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have lack of confidence. It's no. just that he's an introvert. He talked yes. about that a lot in the documentary. I'm sure he talks about it in the book, which I'm going to read. Thanks to you for lending it to me. Yep. And uh, But he breaks into that shoe store with all sorts of piss and vinegar, man. He's just like, <laughs> he's fired up, right? Yeah. And it's so funny because he's not a natural actor. No. But he's having fun. Yeah. And you can really see that he's having fun in it. 
I was reading up on this and apparently during the credits, instead of a still frame of Al and Peg on the couch, there's a live scene that plays with Calvin at the radio station introducing Larry Brown, Roy Jones Jr. and uh, Marcy Darcy as Bruce Jenner. Yes. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Which obviously has its yeah. own connotations based but on what ends up different happening now, with yeah, for different sure. Now, right? Fuck yeah. So I mean, yeah. like, I thought that one there when I read that, I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to mention this to you because I yeah. thought it would be hilarious. That is fucking. I do remember oh the episode. God. Yeah. But he has he has all sorts of uh, credits. He was in the movie The Chamber, which I actually remember. Mm-hmm. This is with Chris O'Donnell and Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faye Dunaway is in it as well. He plays mm-hmm. like a security guard. Oh. Freaking defunct in 1997 mm-hmm. uh pam greer uh margo chow uh, um, rufio, rufio from hook oh rufio yeah he's in it uh john uh, john witherspoon tone loke john There's, witherspoon eh? yeah oh, great yeah great R. guy R. uh yeah <laughs> r.i.p uh nell carter oh yeah ernie hudson Oh, yeah. Uh, 98, he plays in the Pandora pod- uh, project with Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the greatest of the Baldwins. <laughs> yep. And Tony Todd. A uh, special shout out to Tony Todd. He is the Candyman. Oh, okay. And the yes. Candyman actually just released yesterday the new mm-hmm. version of Candyman, mm-hmm. which I'm jacked up about. So when I, when I read Tony Todd, I was like, fuck yeah, I got to mention him yep. for all the horror fans out there. And, um, and to end it off, one of the things I found fascinating is... And even more so now after we talked about how little people know of Bo Jackson, mm-hmm. there was a Chikara Wrestling. Uh, it, was a, it was an organization that kind of operated under, like we wouldn't have really watched a lot right. of it. We wouldn't have got any, any uh, uh, episodes up here. But there was a professional wrestling tag team called the Throwback, uh, Throwbacks, mm-hmm. uh, a baseball player called Dasher Hatfield and a football player called Mr. Touchdown. And they had a, uh, a finishing move called the Bo Jackson oh, yeah. and the Super Bo Jackson, which was from behind. And I tried to find out exactly how this move operated. And the best I can come up with is from behind Dasher would lock arms, belly to back. Mm-hmm. Mr. Touchdown would spring off the second rope. And as Dasher released, Mr. Football would give him a stunner. Oh, okay. And it was called the Bo Jackson. Nice. Now that was... Uh, mid 2000s mm-hmm. so as much as you and i are sitting here today and there are people of our generation that do know of bo jackson there's mm-hmm. other people that know and i think that that's amazing because that shows you the span and the reach that somebody like this with such a short duration of time right. to really make his mark um has on something like the professional wrestling world which is near and dear to our hearts as uh, as we grew up watching uh, wrestling and, and yeah. a big wrestling fans so I thought that that was pretty fascinating and, yeah. and uh, you know, just to kind of t- tap it, to top it all off, I think that watching that documentary last night and seeing how he lives his life now. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say he's living a humble life. Right. Because his house is fucking massive Stupid. and there's no question that his net worth is way up there. Oh, yeah. But this dude is salt of the earth. And for me, I've got a brand new respect for him after mm-hmm. doing, I mean, as I do with a lot of these these profiles that we do yeah the guy is salt of the earth man and uh it's it's upbringing it's humility and it's god-given ability and also the wherewithal to to put in the effort to get to that level well along those lines of the salt of the earth i'm gonna mention what he does now 
On April 27th, 2011, uh, in the state of Alabama, they suffered a massive tornadoes. Uh, it claimed uh, hundreds of lives and left many Alabama residents without power. Bo Jackson jumped up and started a fundraiser known as Bo Bikes Bama. The bike tour lasted five days where Bo Jackson himself visited towns that had been demolished by a series of tornadoes and he rode his bike. Now he is accompanied by other celebrities on this tour and some of these guys that joined him. And this is the respect of athlete that he had back then for such a short career. Scotty Pippen, Ken Griffey Jr., Lance Armstrong. We're not going to go on that one. <laughs> Brett, Brett, Brett Fav- Favory. <laughs> Brett Favre, of course. Best known as uh, for his role in Something About Mary. <laughs> yeah, he did nothing else no. with his life. I think there was a thing about showing his wiener, but anyway. Oh, yeah. there, <laughs> today, uh, Bo Bikes Bama campaign has raised over $1.1 million for the Alabama Governor's Emergency Relief Fund. So when events like this happen, there is money there to help the people who need it, which is amazing. And it, if you watch the documentary, he's wearing a Bo Bikes Bama shirt the entire time that he he's taught other than when he's sitting in the studio i think talking so a lot of the material for this came from the book that he wrote with uh dick schapp or schnapp or however you say that name it's bo knows bo which you have sitting right in front of you mm-hmm. uh also the espn documentary 30 for 30 you don't know bo i, I encourage everybody to youtube bo jackson highlights and you will be amazed and that's one thing that i took away last night from this was as brief of a career that he had, we are lucky we had him when we did have him because what they mentioned in there, if we'd have had him 10 years afterwards, it would have been, well, he's clearly on steroids. He's clearly on steroids when he was just given these abilities from birth and it wasn't steroids. It wasn't any of that. It was just bow. One of the things that I'd also add yeah, to that, sure. had he been born before that era, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't even have a little bit of footage that we do have no. of him. That would no. have been lost to, to memory. Yep. And I think then you really get into whether this man was actually myth. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yep. Because one of the things that I wrote down last night, the, the quote that hit me was when the one dude was like, you know, he he came and went uh, so quickly that it was like, if you hadn't seen it, yeah. you would have thought that it was something that you dreamt. Yes, Right. And yeah. I think that that that's exactly it. Right. Yeah. I do have a couple other little personal things here that I'd like to say. Uh, you know that I have a collection of football jerseys and they all are Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, there is one jersey that I have that I will wear that is not a Detroit Lions jersey. And that is my Los Angeles Raiders Bo Jackson jersey that I love. And I wore it out one day and some kid said to me, who is Jackson from the Raiders? And I punched him in his face. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, I rolled my eyes and then I was in all my glory to tell him who Bo Jackson was. Another little story I have, uh, and it's a prized possession I have. I... Went back to school a little bit later in my life, and I, I graduated in 2014. And apparently, I don't remember this conversation, but I apparently told my mom that I wanted a certain gift when I graduated from from college. Well, she remembered, and I'm super glad she did because I had no idea until I opened it, and I was stunned. I have at home in a case uh, an autographed 
Bo Jackson Los Angeles Raiders helmet and I fucking love it. I clearly am still a huge fan of him and I will always probably be a fan of him and and watching him do his shoot a bow and arrow I was amazed at the stuff that he was talking about he talks about it. he doesn't brag that's the thing he's just like well that's what I do as we do here at uh whatever the fuck this is and we like to finish off with some quotes and I have some great ones from the man himself and uh it's better to give a lick than to receive one if anybody got in my way I, I try to run right through them Another couple quotes from him here he says baseball and football are very different games in a way both of them are both of them are easy football is easy if you're crazy as hell baseball is easy if you've got patience they'd both be easier for me if i were a little more crazy and a little more patient Mm. don't put off until tomorrow the loving words you can say today so Mm. that was not an old classic eh? yeah put off tomorrow what you can do today and this is probably his greatest quote i do love this one and this and this is coming from a mama's boy if my mother put on a helmet and shoulder pads and a uniform that wasn't the same one as I was wearing, I'd run her over if she was in my way. And I love my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like the water boy was inspired a little bit yeah. by that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there it is. The My favorite athlete of all time, Bo. Bo Jackson. Bo knows. Well, Bo knows podcasts. All I have to say is uh, what you brought to the table was amazing. And uh, and honestly, um, from the bottom of my heart, thanks, Bo. Yeah. Yes. And I would say to you, man, you put in a lot more work than I ever expect you to <laughs> into these. And I love all the all the tidbits that you bring in. It. And, and yeah, these, these have been going really well. And I hope we get to continue barring stupid COVIDs and stupid things like that. So, Well, with COVID not being real, we are not limited by anything but distance. So <laughs> I'm cool with anything. Yeah. Uh, if you're out there and you've got somebody in mind, let us know and we'll put yeah. them on the list. Uh, the yeah. list right now stands at about, I don't know, 75. Yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. We'll, we'll figure, we'll narrow it down. But there's a few that... Uh, I definitely want to get into soon, but this was the first athlete one. And I found that it was going to be hard to do just because like with a, with a actor, you can just timeline it with a, with an athlete. It's difficult to do it that way other than their actual career, but the rest of their life is all over the place and so many different things going on. So, well, I had a blast. So thank you very much. Oh, thanks for doing this again, man. We'll fucking, we'll be back. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Peace.